0: Welcome to the Exhale Podcast, a candid conversation about current matters related to respiratory diagnostic and lung health. You might have seen a new look to our podcast. We're implementing some changes to our podcast and to invest in our brand, which in turn will hopefully reach new listeners and turn them into diehard loyal fans. Today's hosts are Mark Russell, Marketing Communications Manager, and Troy Pridgen, the Executive Vice President of Sales and Operations for VitalGraph in North America, a global leader in respiratory diagnostics. Today, we meet Donna Appel and Carmen Camacho with the Hermansky-Pudluck Syndrome Network. We learn about this rare disease and how these two women are fighting for a cure. Well, Donna and Carmen, welcome to our podcast. Thanks for for
1: having having us.
0: us. Hey, please give a little bit of backgrounds on both of you, education and experience, and what your current responsibilities are.
1: Sure. I I guess I'll go first. My name is Donna Appel, and I am by training a registered nurse, and my biggest education, though, was having a daughter with Hermansky-Pudluck syndrome. I worked for 22 years in an open-heart ICU, but I am presently overwhelmed with my job as the executive director of the Hermansky-Pudluck syndrome network.
2: And my name is Carmen Camacho, and I am a clinical therapist. I have a master's degree in psychology, and currently that's my job outside the network. And inside the network is also as a clinician for the network, I support families and get them through diagnosis or the journey of lung transplant if they need a lung transplant or their journey if they... Decide not to do a lung transplant, so we provide a lot of support and encouragement and education to our members.
3: Well, thanks for that background, very much, uh, Donna and Carmen. I was very interested to learn of Hermansky-Pudlak syndrome. I've worked in sleep diagnostics and respiratory diagnostics for some time, and I have to confess, I really wasn't that familiar with it. Can you give us a little bit of background of how many types there are?
1: Sure. There are 11. Now there are 11 different genes that cause Hermansky-Pudlak syndrome. The last one was identified, you know, just this past year. Basically, it is a metabolic genetic disorder that causes albinism, legal blindness, a platelet bleeding disorder, and some people develop a Crohn's-like colitis, like an inflammatory bowel disease. And the most difficult part is that everybody with HPS 1, 2, and 4 develop a fatal pulmonary fibrosis.
0: So what are the signs and symptoms of uh, HBS?
1: Well,
2: uh, this is a syndrome, so we have a variety of signs and symptoms. The main one, the one that kind of identify all of us for the same is the lack of platelets. So we don't clot, platelets are lacking dense bodies. So the lack of dense bodies, which is who holds the material to help the blood clot, is not there. So all the HPS from one to 11, All of us have that. We also um, have albinism. Everybody with HPS has albinism, which is lack of pigment in their eyes and the skin and the hair. Not everybody with albinism has HPS, but everybody with HPS will have albinism. We also have nystagmus and uh, low vision. We have people with HPS3 who are major bleeders, and we also have people with HPS1, 2, and 4 who can develop lung disease. HPS2 is characterized by also very susceptible to infections. Because we're such a, a rare disorder, we're always still learning. So every day we learn something new.
1: I think our urgency is always about the lung disease. And we are hoping that the other gene types don't carry the lung disease. But we're very nervous about our HPS1, 2, and 4 individuals. It's something that they know from birth. like right. It's you never know when you're gonna develop IPF or pulmonary fibrosis over the course of your lifetime, but in our case, we do. We know that some, when somebody's born, it's like a genetic crystal ball that this pulmonary fibrosis is ahead of them. So it's a, a little uh, frightening for our families.
3: Mm-hmm. I can only imagine it would be, as all you know, genetic disorders in particular can be. I and mean, it sounds like there's a wide range of different symptoms of the syndrome. The IPF being a particular concern, I would imagine, is there a specific group or demographic type who it affects above others?
2: Hermansky-Pudlak syndrome is all over the world. We have people and our members that are from South America, all the way to Europe, Australia, but we have a big concentration of people with HPS in Puerto Rico, and it's due to the founder's effect. We're an island, so our our genetic uh, material stays within the island. So, of course, there's going to be a higher concentration of a rare disorder in an island. So we are pretty high. I think that in Puerto Rico, 1 in 20 in the northwest side of the island are carriers of the HPS gene. So that's pretty high.
0: That is. Recently in the news, that they had a a hurricane five years to the day here recently. I'm not sure when this podcast is going to air, but tell us what's going on down there in Puerto Rico and how are they adjusting to this terrible hurricane within five years?
2: It's devastating. Sad to to watch this from a distance because I am in Massachusetts, so I see all my family down there and they're struggling with the lack of electricity. Hospitals are having to be closed because they don't have electricity or they flooded. Our people, people with that in you know, pulmonary fibrosis, are having to rely on generators to get their oxygen needs. So it's pretty scary. And they had already gone through Maria first and they had the tremors and earthquakes and now this. So it was already very the structural. Part of Puerto Rico was already very weak, so this has not helped. And even our, our I think our one of our cl- the clinic had to be moved because of the conditions right now. So it is affecting us very closely. You can Go only ahead.
1: imagine how frightening it is to. Ha- rely on oxygen, and during these times, like um, you know, from what we're hearing, people that have a generator can't even run it all day long. They have to preserve it, and let's say, and they are running it only during certain hours of the day. And it's just heartbreaking. I was amazed, you know, not being of Puerto Rican background, but I even under came to understand that another weather-related issue is that. During the summer, they get a Burma. They they get a sandstorm from the Sahara so that people have Mm -hmm. a really hard time breathing. You know, there's no air-conditioned air. Like, I use air purifiers for my daughter here, and they're pretty much open-air people, and it's just, Mm -hmm. my heart is just broken. It's just absolutely broken for this population.
2: Well, and not only that, the generator can be a, a godsend, but it can also be damaging because the fumes from generators are not good for our people either. So we're kind of in a catch-22. You need the electricity, but you also can get worse by inhaling all these fumes. So it's pretty difficult.
0: So a follow-up question. Who, who are the uh, doctors or the heroes down there that are working in Puerto Rico that are dealing with some of these patients with HPS?
1: We are so blessed. I can't even tell you. We are so blessed with the angels down there. So starting with actually Dr. Jesse Roman from the American Thoracic Society, we, having worked with the ATS, saw that he had been trained in Puerto Rico and, you know, started a relationship with him to get him to understand plight of the HPS people. And he became an incredible hero for us. And he worked out... details and helped to establish the clinics in Puerto Rico. And they were the first pulmonary fibrosis clinics in the the Caribbean, not just in Puerto Rico. Mm -hmm. So he has been amazing. And from that and our relationships, we have started working in Puerto Rico over 20 years ago. So we have developed real great friendships and relationships with the doctors down there. We have certainly a hematologist that Dr. Rivera was really helpful with us and then introduced us to the pulmonologists that are working with our families. Dr. Rosa Roman, we have just, we're we're just absolutely blessed. Dr.
2: Gosquay, Dr.
1: Dr. Wilfredo. Wilfredo de
2: Jesus is a pulmonologist, a pediatric pulmonologist. So he serves our youngest populations because like Donna said, we know that this is going to hit us at some point. So We want to nip it from the beginning. And Dr. Wilfredo has been tremendous help in that.
1: Get paid for this either. They are volunteering
2: for us. And we got Hilda, who is our HPS representative in Puerto Rico, who, God bless her, is done. She goes to people's homes. She goes in person for when... You're talking about our last Maria. She will go in person and bring them masks and alcohol swabs and anything that they needed. The same thing when it happens with COVID. When COVID hit, she will go check on people and make sure that they have gloves, masks, PPE, all the stuff they needed. And make sure that they were doing okay and following up with their doctors. So Hilda is such a blessing also to be down there helping us.
3: Absolutely angels, indeed. I my, my hat's off to every single one of them. And particularly, you know, when you're dealing with something that, that has the, the differential diagnosis that this syndrome does, up to and even including the potential for transplants, uh, which is, you know, obviously pre- pretty extreme. Are there other standard therapies for HPS patients? What, what other types of therapies do they require?
1: Basically, you know, you got to take it one at a time. Like, so, you know, obviously the albinism, we have to give them sunblock and, you know, like try to help them with their sunglasses, those kind of things. And then we have the bowel disease and that often needs a platelet transfusion. So our people having a bleeding disorder and a colitis, Crohn's disease, they hemorrhage badly and then they need platelets rather than blood. You would think they'd need blood, but Really, the platelets are what stops the bleeding, so the, it's really just putting a band-aid on things. And then our lung disease, where we don't have any treatment per se for Hermansky-Pudlak syndrome PF, but we, you know, try to treat just similar to any other PF, and it's not that easy to do, especially down there. And then for transplant <laughs> lung transplants, there is no transplant center in Puerto Rico, and that's when Carmen takes over.
2: Yeah, unfortunately, there's no transplant in the island. So that's why I'm here, because I I have cousins on my mom's side who passed away from lung disease. They didn't have the chance of having a transplant. I came here for grad school when I got diagnosed. I knew I had albinism. I didn't know I had HPS. I got diagnosed when I was here in my master's program. And after reading, we all decided, my parents, and we all decided that, the best thing for me was to stay here and be able to have access to that. Now people in Puerto Rico who need transplant have to go through the whole process of relocating. So one that's a big part of what we do. We help people understand the system and, and we educate them to how to advocate for themselves, how to look into what services are in which state and so each state is different and has their own service availability. So we try to help people make good choices in move where they have accessibility to services as well as a good support because as you know for transplant that's a big one so for people moving from the island to create a support system that is good enough for a transplant team it's also a a challenge so they not only have the challenge of having to live in the island with no treatment but they also have to from the fact that they will have to leave everything behind and start all over again, and create that community and understand the system and understand their their new surroundings, it's a lot.
3: Yeah, I, I can only imagine. And, and just as a quick follow up, I was. Actually, just last week in Atlanta, I got to meet with the ATS, and one of the things that came up was clinical trials for rare disorders, relatively you know, rare disorders can be problematic. It, it's hard to get the attention and, and the funding sometimes. Is there any sort of research going on into gene therapy or anything like that that might be able to treat it at, at a more molecular level?
1: Yeah, so we're blessed to have been working with the National Institutes of Health, and we have, you know, a long, long-standing relationship. They have a natural history study for us, and have biospecimens there. We've been going there for a while, and there is a major push for gene therapy. Actually, we are helping to support that financially, and so we're working towards gene therapy. It, It is a single gene disorder, so gene augmentation and gene editing would work. And it's, you know, certainly been proven so far. We're working a little bit on the vector and to make sure that it gets to the right place. The decision was, do you do gene therapy on the bleeding? We have so many options. Do we do it on the bleeding disorder or do we do it on the lungs? And So where do you deliver it? So these are the things. I vote for
2: the long first, but that's me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, this is what we're working on now. So we're very much hoping for gene therapy. Great. We definitely so- are.
0: Donna and Carmen tell our listeners about the HPS network and how how they can access your network and try to help support you guys.
1: Sure, be happy to. It's been going on for 28 years. So we're certainly veteraned in the nonprofit arena. We work really hard with our patients. You've heard the support system that Carmen has provided. She's absolutely a blessing. We are in, you know, international. There are no really other organizations that manage Hermansky-Pullback syndrome. So we have a global reputation and um, we have a patient registry, a contact registry that is 28 years old. So we have, you know, the, the ability to pull patients When needed, we're actually working on trying to get a preliminary preclinical stuff for a bleeding disorder testing. So we pull our patients and always do specimen collection. We actually are very famous for our design of collecting specimens at our patient conferences, which we've had 28 of them annually. And so one year we call this program, We're Drawn Together, and we invite pharmaceuticals, we invite people to come and have a protocol. Their IRB gets approved and we do informed consenting. And we had five different laboratories working with us at our conference, and we needed to do things quickly because one of the projects was on stem cells. So we had to do this very, very fast to get the blood to the labs very quickly. So we had a record breaking. 98 tubes of blood drawn in an hour and 55 minutes and only one patient fainted so that was pretty good and we actually Mm -hmm. were able to get four stool specimens at the same time so we're really a very enthusiastic super close cohort of research ready people that are hoping for attention someday you know, I have to say that in, in some ways I feel like a failure because I started this organization to help cure my daughter and 28 years later and we don't even have a treatment yet. So it's it, it kind of gets a little hard and depressing at times when I think about it, but I know that our job is to provide hope and to keep our people informed. We have a town hall once a month where we very candidly tell everybody what's going on for the month and and that's open invitation um mm-hmm. but it's a tough disease it's you know we're fighting for our life and um we're just trying to outrace it
2: i know that donna feels a little deaf, that rush of we need to cure this but we have gone through you know we have done major advancements that we had we are rare diseases. who has a, a natural history study we have people that now know a, like at ATS now people know Hermansky Putlack syndrome. So it's happening. It's slow, not as fast as we like it to be, but it's happening. Changes are made and progress is getting there. But we we like it to be faster. I want it that's to like, be faster. I didn't I didn't want a transplant, I wanted gene therapy, but hey, I'll take what I can get.
1: <laughs> that's why Carmen's our therapist. <laughs> <laughs> I can see
3: that, and and, and Don, I, I can hear the emotion in your voice. This is your daughter, Carmen. I know you you you've been uh, suffered from this as, as well. Mm-hmm. Twenty eight years. I so am long.
2: actually listed right now. I am yep. listed at Brigham and Women for lung transplant.
3: Are okay? Well, we certainly, you know, mm-hmm. our, our our hearts are with you on on that, and and I'm right there with you. I I, I really would love to see this gets the proper attention, the, the therapy and treatment, 20 years is a long time to fight for something. And it says a lot mm-hmm. that you're willing to continue to, to go back day after day. So help us help you. will we'll Jerry Maguire this thing. And, and what, what website can they go to? Where can people donate to this cause? That would be
1: very kind. It's hpsnetwork.org.
3: Excellent. We certainly recommend anyone out there to educate yourselves on this. It is a a, a terrifying but fascinating, you know, disorder, and we certainly hope the best uh, for you and everyone affected and uh, look forward to promoting your network. Thank
1: you. Thank you so much. You actually are helping us so much by giving us uh, spirometers. Like, we're very, very excited for you to help us with the equipment that we're going to be using at the clinic. So you have done amazing for us and we are so appreciative.
0: Well, we're just trying to get the word out there. And it was fate that we we met at the ATS and then again at the ATS meetings and and uh, we knew we need to do something. So Donna, Carmen, thank you again for being on our podcast. Thank,
2: thank you, you so much.
0: You've reached the end of another episode of the Exhale podcast. Don't forget to follow us for upcoming new episodes and recommend this podcast to friends and family. Thank you for listening, and we look forward to you joining us again on the Exhale podcast brought to you by Vitalograph.